in to the 52 Churches Project. I'm Liz Baker, and I am on this, this journey, this goal, this project to visit 52 churches in 52 weeks. It'll end up being way more than 52 churches. I'm sure some days I'm visiting three churches at a time. I, I When I came up with this inspiration to do this, uh, I wasn't surprised to learn that I was not the first person to do this. As a matter of fact, there are other people doing it right now. Uh, some of the reasons for doing it are a little bit different. Mine came from an inspiration in December of uh, 2021, where we realized that we could literally easily double a church in a year. And so in order for me to help those churches that are doubling to, to scale and grow quickly, I knew that I needed to get out of my home church and go visit a bunch of churches, as many as I possibly could, to see what people are doing well, to see uh, what the best practices are, so that I could be the best version of help to churches around the country as they begin to double. So I chose this first church because uh, I have this list of several churches that I've wanted to visit for years. Uh, I had heard about it about 10 years ago and time flies. <laughs> and I ended up being on church staff, multiple churches, COVID hit, and I just never got the opportunity to go there. So it was the first one on my list. So this was my chance to finally visit. I didn't know much about it. It's called Southside Church of the Nazarene. have no idea what the Church of the Nazarene believes, but the bottom line is, is that I knew excellent people who went there. And so my first point about my visit actually precedes the visit at all. And I just want pastors to know that, that your people, speaking of those excellent people that I knew who went to that church, uh, your people, your congregation really are, are both Christ ambassadors and ambassadors for your church. And it's a great opportunity to remind them of that, uh, whether they're at their jobs, with their friends, on social media, they what they do, what they say, it represents. And so when your people are excited about what's happening uh, at your church, they they can't contain it, word gets out. And that's how I found out about Southside in the first place. Now, if you're on staff, it's a good reminder that your church has a reputation. And yes, again, word gets out. Even 10 years later, okay, <laughs> I'm still thinking about this church. I'm going to say that I never told the people who I knew went there, I never told them that this kind of had stuck with me. Uh, I never told them that their genuine excitement about being a part of it um, had still was still in my head 10 years later. So they have no idea. And um, it's kind of an encouragement that oftentimes seeds are planted. And sometimes it just takes a while. <laughs> seeds might sit for a long time. So who knows, uh, you know, what you started, what you started, what you planted, what seed might take root and when. So I know sometimes people get discouraged that so they want things to happen now, but sometimes it's kind of the long game. So my recommendation to staff is also to, to remember that, to be encouraged, and to, to really pray for yourself and your congregation that, that you're always uh, salty and sowing. So that... Those seeds are always being planted in an exciting, exciting 
and passionate way um, so that people know about the work that Christ is doing through the people in your congregation, through your local church. And church seekers, you know, I would say to you, don't put it off. Like if you've been wanting to visit a church because you heard about the good things that's happening there, well, pray about it and then go and check it out. And and if you want, take somebody with you, right? Sometimes it's more fun if you don't know anybody at a church, take somebody with you because then you have an instant connection <laughs> there because you brought them. So don't let the 10 years pass because my thought was, what, what might you be missing uh, if you wait 10 years? What good things might you be missing at that church if you delay? And then... So you're seeing a pattern, and this is going to be my pattern for all of, it's the formula, the pattern for all of the videos that I will do, or most of them. I shouldn't say all because you know that I will totally go off task. But what I really want is this, this experience that I'm having, this journey of these 52 churches. I want it to be truly helpful uh, for pastors, for staff, for congregations, and for people who are church seeking. So, and then the last thing, I want you to know how I believe that this connects to doubling the church in a year. And you can find out more about my thoughts about doubling the church at churchtimes2.com. And uh, of course, the information about the visiting the 52 churches at 52churches.com. So what does this have to do with doubling the church? Well, my friends had talked with genuine excitement about what was happening at Southside, but they never extended an invitation to me. And had they, I'll say I, I would have gone. It wouldn't have taken 10 years for me to go. I would have accepted their invitation. Uh, so had they invited me, the church's hospitality would still be important. But since I would have been invited by them, by an insider, I would have had immediate access to insider information. They know the pastor, they know the people, they know the opportunities for community, the events that are coming up, how to get plugged in. And so those personal invitations are gold. And so that's what your church really needs to be, <laughs> really needs to be about. So you know as well as I do that knowing one person makes all the difference, no matter where you go, if it's going to a new school, a new job, if you just know one person, it just helps you to get in there and get things uh, moving much quicker. Uh, the learning curve, uh, the assimilation at, with an organization is just, it's just so much better. So the other point is that, that you shouldn't assume that people don't want to be invited. Even if they go to another church, you don't know what their situation is and they could definitely want to visit your church. Not only that, sometimes it's good for people, even if they have no plans of going to your church long time, long term, maybe they just want to, maybe it would be beneficial for them to visit another church and see how things are done in another church. So the other thing is you've got to teach your people and in, in your congregation that the invitation doesn't have to end in a yes. Uh, again, I visited the church 10 years later Sometimes it really is just a seed planted and we need to not be so concerned about our ego. If somebody says no, thank you or no, and I can't believe you asked me, which I find hard to believe that somebody would respond that way. It's okay. It's not, you still did your part. So feel good that you extended an invitation to somebody. And what I need you to know 
is that you could be the only person that invites them to a church. Now, of course, I was talking about me. I already go to another church. But if it's somebody in your office or a neighbor or somebody in your community, you literally might be the only person who invites them uh, to be a part of uh, visiting that church family. So or any church family. So extend the invitation. Always extend the invitation. Part of the Church Times 2 project is making sure that everyone, everyone in your congregation who trusts and obeys Jesus uh, knows, as 1 Peter 3.15 says, how to give an answer to anyone, everyone, who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have with gentleness and respect. So, so church leaders, remember that many of your people I promise you this. I think you already know it, but many of your people don't know how to do this. So let's fix this. This is the key to doubling the church. It's starting by helping everybody in your congregation know how to tell their story, their Jesus story, their witness. Uh, I've got a printable document uh, at churchtimes2.com that you can download that literally just has some questions that you can walk through that help you tell your story. And you can print it, put it in their hands in the middle of a worship service and teach them to tell their story. Uh, discipleship classes, talk about it, role play it, ask people to share the reason from their for their hope back and forth. And acknowledge, please, that you know that it may feel awkward at first, but as they learn to tell their story uh, and as they spend time on it, it will get easier. And as they're learning to tell their story, in parallel, I also highly recommend that you give them a copy of what I'm going to call the A-list. And I've got a copy of that at churchtimes2.com. Go on there. You'll see it. It's a PDF copy. And all the A-list is, is A, always praying for. So this is a, a printable list. You can put it in their hands in the middle, like not in the middle, at the end of a worship service. Put it in their hands and say, hey, you know, for the next year, we're going to commit to pray for these people who are on your list. And when you say we, they take that list home. They can put it on their bedside table, put it in their Bible, keep it with them, and that they're going to be praying consistently for the next year for those people, friends, family, co-workers, people in the community, uh, teachers, you get the point. And they're going to pray for opportunities to share their story. So uh, we don't want to be weird about sharing our story. People already think it's evangelism. They think that it's weird. It's got like evangelism. Uh, the word itself incites fear in some people, anger in others. But truly, this is just about sharing your story, and it's about helping <laughs> helping everybody who's going to church, who's, who's benefiting from this relationship with Jesus every single Sunday. I mean, why wouldn't we share the story of what, what Christ does to transform our lives, what he's doing to transform communities and people and generations? So... This is something we really don't want to keep to ourselves. We want other people to know, and we want them to know that they're welcome in. So this A-list will help them to pray for opportunities so that they're they're led, because we really believe that if, <laughs> as my, my father-in-law, who is a pastor, says, when you start praying, just be ready with your story, because you're going to absolutely have opportunity and 
I am I'm so excited about the stories that people are going to be able to tell at the end of this year about opportunities that came because they prayed and God answered. So uh, if there's a willingness at all for you to share uh, uh, your Jesus story with somebody so that the kingdom can grow, um, you can you can rest assured that God is going to work with you on that um, if that's your heart. So. Uh, get that A-list, have them fill it out, and tell them to begin praying for those opportunities. Okay. Point number two is is greeters. And bear with me because I know you've probably heard a lot about this. As I was walking in, I saw a group of people outside the main doors. They were having a great chat, and I love to see that. I love to see that community. And one man in the group, he had on a lanyard, and he was obviously there to greet. And I had intended to kind of sidestep, right, put my <laughs> put my face down and kind of sidestep so that I didn't interrupt their conversation. But I also know that when you're a greeter that you really can't get um, too distracted and involved in conversations because what that means is that you're going to miss people. And that might not be the end of the world, but when you're a greeter, you really do want every single person in uh, who comes in the, the church to get a hello, like a warm welcome. So every single one. And what I loved was that he saw me, even though he was really focused on his on his group conversation, he saw me out of the corner of his eye <clears throat> and he leaned well out of the group and he made direct eye contact with me and he said, hello. And uh, I, I just appreciate so much that he didn't want me to get past with, uh, without a hello. And again, as a fellow greeter, I really appreciated that. So, you know, if, if you're visiting a church for the first time, I recognize that a warm hello goes a long way to make you feel welcome, but I also want you to know that if it doesn't happen, know that there might be other reasons and that it might not be personal. <laughs> Some people uh, who are, are great, very extroverted, uh, greeter type people are also very distractible. I'm one of them. So know that sometimes if, if uh, you get past somebody, it's not intentional. And it kind of reminds me of what uh, Pastor Tom Stocks said what he was the lead pastor when I was on staff at Bonnier Baptist Church. And I'm paraphrasing it, but he said that in all of his years of ministry, misunderstandings uh, were very rarely intentional, that most of what offends people within the church was never really intended to offend. Uh, now, that said, we really hope that greeters will welcome you warm warmly, but if they don't, uh, it might speak to the genuine friendliness of the church, either friendly or unfriendly, or it just might mean that somebody had an off day. So you need to test it a little bit more than just one time. Okay. All right. Uh, my third point is mm, <laughs> the second sentence that was spoken to me there. So uh, I got hello was the first one. It was just hello. And I walked in the front door and these are the words. Well, I'm sorry you're here today. That was the second sentence spoken to me. All right, so <laughs> bear with me. Um, I had walked into the lobby, lobby and I introduced myself and I said, hey, I'm a first time guest and I have heard great things about this church and I've always wanted to visit. I've wanted to visit for like 10 years. And the greeter said, oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry you're here today. 
and they went on to explain that their lead pastor was out. It was summertime. They had one of the other ministers preaching and that they were sorry that I was there that day. Um, I thanked them for letting me know and I walked into the worship center and I sat down in a row by myself and those were the last words that anybody spoke to me the entire time that I was there. Mm. Right? So as I thought about this, I thought, why did the, the greeter feel the need to apologize? I mean, I get the point, right? They, they apparently love and admire the pastor. I'm guessing that this was just merely a matter of the lead pastor's the A team and the greeter was giving me the heads up that the B team was going to be the ones who were up to bat today. And what, what would give the greeter the impression that I wouldn't like to hear a message from anyone except for the lead pastor? I know nothing. I literally, I still haven't. I haven't looked up who the pastor is. So I don't know who the lead pastor is. That's not why I came to church that day. Um, so I'm going to make some guesses about why the greeter would say something like that that may or may not have any relevance at all to this particular situation. So if anybody at Southside ever sees that <laughs> this has nothing to do with you, this just has to deal with some thoughts about churches, uh, the broader group of churches. So number one, maybe the pastor doesn't let others preach. There are certain pastors who don't let anybody else in the pulpit and so uh, when they don't do that, there's not a culture of it. And so the rest of the players are truly B, C, D, or worse. So um, that could be a thing. So the pastor would be out for a very significant reason. And that's the only reason that somebody else is preaching. And so people are definitely not used to it. And there's kind of... Um, they're just used to the lead pastor and they don't like a Sunday where the lead pastor isn't there. Okay. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's that the lead pastor is actually the only one who can preach a decent sermon. Right. Maybe they're the only ones on staff who can do that. But then what I would say is pastors begin to equip your leaders on staff to preach your pastors. Uh, I'm, I'm not a pastor. But I just attended a three-hour master class on preaching from a guy named Nathan Finocchio. <laughs> oh, forgive me if I get your name wrong. Um, no, I'm not automatically a great preacher after attending a three-hour master class on preaching. But I actually did learn some helpful things that will go with me for the rest of my life about how to be a better communicator. And so training is consistently available. So if the staff needs to be trained about how to be better communicators, how to preach better, then there's so many opportunities for them to do that. Very inexpensive. As a matter of fact, the master class that I attended was free. Of course, there were additional classes that you could take that cost money, but there's, there's all sorts of opportunities for people to learn. And not only that, what's one of the best ways to learn? Let me tell you about uh, a one pastor that I know goes to a church where the staff actually preaches often and they, they take, so the, the lead pastor preaches by far the most, but the rest of the staff actually has and is encouraged to preach and they take weeks to prepare these messages and they get lots of uh, guidance and equipping along the way about how to do it. And so the other thing that's really cool about that at church in particular is that 
every Thursday, the lead pastor or the guest pastor uh, actually preaches to the staff. They do this every single week. So they pilot that particular sermon with the staff. And then the staff is encouraged not to just give fluff feedback, but to give real actual feedback so that if there are areas of the sermon that need to be tightened up, then they can they can do that. So um, I'm sure that that wouldn't work for every church, but that works and it helps it works for them and it helps them to really make sure that they're prepared and most of the pastors uh most of the people who speak they're going to go through that sermon message i mean a lot of times possibly dozens As a matter of fact i i was watching a tiktok recently where an expert speaker uh said that he goes through his speech 30 times before he gives it Anyway, I'm not sure what most pastors do, but I just know that uh, it takes time to become the type of pastor who can just, you know, pull something together so quickly. I can't wait for the feedback on that particular statement. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. So uh, I also wanted to say that this summer at my home church, uh, we, we had an entire summer where the staff was at the the pastor was in town but the uh the rest of the staff preached on their favorite verses and every message was solid inspiring encouraging and one of the cool things that maybe pastors don't want to hear is that by the end of the summer i was so encouraged that i didn't go to a church that was just about cult of personality i mean i love our lead pastor, but what it really showed me was that if the lead pastor left today for whatever reason, the church would go on as strong as ever because there were so many competent uh, people to give a message. And so uh, worship and discipleship was really strong and so was giving the message. So anyway, just kind of a side note. And and I will finish this portion by saying that actually <laughs> the the guest pastor who gave the message actually did a really solid job. It was heartfelt. It was biblical. Uh, it was biblically based. And it was just a really sound message. So I thought that he did a good job. And so the greeter really did not have to to say anything. And staff, you know, this is a great reminder to help your greeters know what to say on different Sundays and help them to really encourage people. I mean, this greeter was trying to encourage me. They were genuinely trying to set my expectations <laughs> lower to save me disappointment, especially if I had heard about the pastor. Um, but I didn't want them to have to apologize and I wouldn't want a greeter to ever have to do that. So, you know, I just wanted to worship well at a church that I look forward to attending. So uh, you can work with your greeters to encourage them uh, to kind of avoid saying, not kind of, like to avoid saying things like that. And then, you know, if you're, if you're searching for a church, I'll say that I've got 52 churches to visit in 52 weeks, but I really do plan to go back to that church. It was the middle of summer. Attendance was lighter than usual. When I walked in, I was actually surprised at how light the attendance was. And like I said, I, I sat on a row by myself. And yes, the lead pastor was out. So I wouldn't I wouldn't, because I had heard so many good things of about the church over the years, I wouldn't want that to be my single um my single experience 
there at that church. So I will definitely be back. And so what does all this have to do with doubling the church in a year? Well, this is the piece that I'll end with today. And it's that, the, you know, the greeter's words were the last words that were spoken to me that morning. I sat alone in the middle of the worship center. Okay. So I'd gone in there and I sat alone. And then after the service, I lingered a bit and no one approached me. And so one idea that I have that will help churches with that is, you know, and to ensure great hospitality and to ensure that <laughs> somebody, a guest like myself, doesn't make it out the door and, and not get spoken to by anybody else is to actually employ your entire congregation of regular members to, to actively look around them every Sunday for people that they don't know and to say hello just make it a part of the culture and to make something a part of the culture it just repeat it over and over again and danny franks who is an expert on you know look up at dannyfranks.com he is an expert on hospitality he talks about creating plumb lines or i call them catchphrases in this case you just no one left behind like we're a church who greet we greet every guest we're not going to let one guest that's how i would say it if i was the pastor i would say we're not going to let one guest leave this church without uh, getting a warm hello from people in the congregation so make sure it's a priority every week remind them of it frequently uh, remind them that every sunday we're expecting guests and we're not letting one opportunity pass to connect someone to Christ. I mean, that's huge. And put it that way. That's the why. These people have walked into your church, which is amazing. So they've walked in, They have walked into your church. It's already amazing that they're there. It's great. And so you want to definitely be able to connect them. And so <laughs> just remind them over and over and over again okay and then if you're a guest i highly recommend that uh you do the connecting if somebody doesn't connect with you they don't initiate it then you say hello uh, i was experimenting that morning and so i left without saying something i would absolutely like if i wasn't doing the experiment i would have there were people sitting right in front of me i would have said hello to them i'll go to everybody <laughs> like everybody in the worship center if I have to. Um, and I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, but even if you're an introverted person, I highly recommend you're not there to just, just be by yourself. You are there for community. And so I would highly recommend that you initiate some contact with somebody. So I love that worship center that morning, walked through the lobby, walked out the door, and that was that. And here's, the, here's what I know. Here's what I know that I know that I know. That church didn't want that to be the case. They had no oh, no intention. Like, I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. So the point, though, is they need to know. Everybody needs to know. Those things happen. Those are occasionally the experiences of people. We don't want that to be everybody's experience. So even when it's hard news and it's not pleasant news, we need to look at the reality of of our hospitality and our situation and we need to adjust where we need to adjust it's not a big deal we can do it so it's going to be a lot harder to double a church if the congregation isn't equipped as an entire team to welcome people into 
your Jesus family into that local um, church body. So make it a priority. That's all I'm going to give you from my first experience, my first church on my journey to visit 52 churches in 52 weeks. I hope that's helpful. I, I really mean this. When I started this journey, it was really about me equipping myself so that I could help churches kind of along the way. And then I, as I started to talk to people about this, they recommended, hey, you, you might want to get this into a blog or a podcast or something so that you can help people now it's like versus waiting a year to do a book or something like that. So I want to be helpful now. That said, if there's something that you have a question about, feel free. I mean, I've got so much information already uh, in my head that I would love to get out, that I would love to, to help churches to, to double um, and so if you've got, if you've got a particular question, I am all ears, I'm all ears and please subscribe to this, uh, to the YouTube channel. I'm also putting this on uh, podcasts, so it should be on Apple and Spotify. And I'm also, uh, setting up a Facebook page or Facebook group where if you'd like to be a part of that, I'll put all of this in the comments for this. If you'd like to be a part of that, you can ask me questions as much as you'd like there if you have any specific questions about my experience and about how you think that this might help you and your church. So that's all I've got for today. Again, continue to follow me for more information. And, and again, let me know how I can be helpful to you. Bless you and the ministry that you're doing. Bless you if you are a church member because you are doing ministry. And if you are searching for a church, bless you and God help you in that search to find a place where you can really grow and thrive.